0: Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into true crime cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge.
1: If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of true crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you.
0: Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. and I'm Megan. And we have a very personal case today to cover from one of our listeners. Um, she's actually one of our new super sleuths. She has sent us so many case suggestions, and I love it and told her, keep them coming. Yeah, um, I think we've already covered to up to this point, like release wise. We've already covered one case that she sent, but this is I wanted to cover this one because she knew the victims personally wow so i felt like so we
1: have a group now of crime curious investigators we do we do yes the ccis
0: yes the cc i dig it <laughs> yep congratulations she, guys yeah, she's our own personal su- super sleuth donna i dig so, it so does that you, mean donna. we should
1: do some shaking of our greegree yep, here let's
0: shake our greegrees i've got the raccoon penis bones and i have the kangaroo sack
1: and now the world is, is
0: all, all it's all right, right. And we can tell our listeners, because I firmly believe this. So two days ago, we did a fantastic interview with a victim. God, it was good. It was amazing. It was two hours long. Yes. It was good work, but we did not shake the sack before the interview. Oh my God, we jinxed ourselves. We did. So I just want everybody to know this may be holding real power, people. My God.
1: Because. We've just become a paranormal podcast. We have,
0: just like that. (laughs) Because uh, what happened was we did this fantastic interview and the red light was on on our equipment as it always I is. I saw it.
1: I can confirm. Yep,
0: everything was as it usually is, and I'm telling you what, you guys, the podcast did not record onto our SD card that's in our machine
1: like it always is. It literally says it has over 20 hours, mm-hmm. and it turns blue if it's not in there. Yes. And I can promise you, I know blue things when I see them, and yeah. it was not blue. It was not
0: blue. No, we had the green light. It was green. The record button was red. Somehow in the universe. We did not record that, so either the universe wants us to speak to her again, which I am going to ask her if that can happen. Great, um, and I think very much. I mean, she was a doll, yeah. So she I was. really think she would be willing to do it again. Um, it's just unfortunate, but or, or it's because we did not shake. Our kangaroo Grigri. sack and our raccoon uh, penis bones okay, prior well, to.
1: We know now. now we, we know better. About. Exactly. So, so you're going to bring me something good today from our CCI.
0: I am. I am. And actually, if you guys, I, I watched it after I already put together um, the notes here, but there is a snapped, uh you know, the. I seri- love snapped on series, oxygen, right? Yeah, the yeah. series snapped. So, there is a coverage of this. Uh, it's only about. Forty minutes long or so, but uh, it's season sixteen, episode one. Which I was like, "Oh, that's amazing!" I didn't realize that there there was snapped. Donna had given us a lot of personal information yep. on the gals, and so um, and there there's some pretty good coverage of it. And it's probably one of the most senseless and completely idiotic murders that we've ever covered,
1: for sure. We well, have that's two saying victims. a lot because we've seen some pretty stupid I know. murders. I know.
0: The reason that Donna sent it to us and the reason that I was compelled to cover it uh, so quickly after she sent it was because she tragically saw these two victims the night before they were murdered. Oh, good God. Yeah, they met up and hung out. So this took place in West Frankfort, Illinois. I'm going to say this because we've had a couple of really bad cases lately in terms of police work and excellent police work was happening here, but the perps i'm not certain that they had actually one functioning brain cell between the two of them okay okay
1: so you know i love me some world's dumbest criminals
0: yes and this is basically where we're at but even with them being done it's because of the good quick police work that happened that helps this case get the perps get caught quickly okay So let me tell you a little bit about our victims as we always do. Um, The first young lady that I'd like to talk about is Candace Majors. She was 28 years old at the time. She was born in Mount Carmel, Illinois. She graduated from John A. Logan Community College in Illinois with a degree in cosmetology in 2003. At the time of the murder, Candace was enrolled in Rend Lake College in Ina and was studying to become an x-ray technician. Cool. Yeah. Now, Candace also had a son at this time. Um, Just a quote from Donna, who knew her personally. She said, quote, Candace was smart and beautiful. She was really the total package, as they say. When in, in early adulthood, Candace had some struggles. She fell into substance abuse, abuse. Um, specifically meth, yep. really hard. And I apologize because I'm not um, quoting Donna anymore. Okay. <laughs> Just so sorry. Uh, that quote ended after the total package, as they say. Perfect. That was rookie mistake there. <laughs> it's, it's crime curious in the morning, and uh, my brain is a little sluggish. But uh, she did lose custody of her son because of the meth addiction, as we see time and time again. Uh, when she was younger, she was really into beauty pageants because she was gorgeous, and she did cheerleading, baton. Um, she was in the scholar bowl. Okay, so she was very smart. She made ev- friends everywhere she went with her bubbly personality. So that's that's a little bit about her early childhood, her you know adolescent years. It sounds like it was teenage and early adulthood when she was really struggling um, with the meth addiction. Now, I am told that Terry was just as nice as Candace, but she was very quiet. She liked to keep things to herself. She didn't talk much. um, And honestly she didn't apparently get a chance to talk much if Candace was around because
1: Candace was the extrovert.
0: Sure. So when they're, you know, when they're together, she's probably seemed quieter just because yeah. Candace is I talking. hear
1: that there are friend groups with a quiet friend. I've never seen one, no. but I know that they exist. I, I personally have never experienced
0: that. No. Uh, <laughs> our, our friend group is loud and proud. Apparently but, uh, we mm-hmm.
1: attract like when it comes, to, uh, it comes so. to our groups.
0: I think so. Okay. So Terry actually didn't struggle with addiction the way that Candace did. Um, she smoked some pot, but, you know, she wasn't into hard drugs at all. And she was the level-headed one, okay? She owned her own painting business, which actually started by her painting with her dad when she was younger. And she was really like the stable one that made sure that the bills got paid, that sort of thing. They had a roof over their head, food to eat, They live together? Yes. Candace and Terry are very much in love. They are a couple. couple. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. They are a couple. And the most tragic part of this entire story is that not only are they finally found their person, right? And they're so in love with each other, but Candace was sober. She had her life together. She was, Terry, like, really, really um, stabilized her. I found some conflicting information in terms of, like, some news articles said that they were celebrating sobriety together. But then others, and, in like, Donna, who knew them personally, said Terry didn't
1: struggle with substance abuse. Yeah, so I'd call that a sober support.
0: Yes, exactly. And it sounds
1: like her person was Mm -hmm. her sober support.
0: Yep. Yep, So, because it really didn't make sense to me that both of them would be struggling and then be supports for each other, as we know that typically does not work No, well. not
1: until one person has a long period of sobriety. Yes, yep.
0: So I, I'm more apt to believe, of course, the things that someone that knew them personally said. Agreed. You know, than some sort of news article. But yeah, so they're, they're very much in love. And when they came, went to... Donna's house the day before they were murdered. They were very happy and excited about their future and the way things are going. I mean, Terry has a stable job. She's got her painting business. Candace is enrolled in college to be an x-ray technician, you know. Was she
1: working currently as a cosmetologist? Was she doing like hair and makeup and stuff I, while she was going to college? I do not know the answer to that. But no. she did have both degrees. She had yeah. a certification for cosmetology as well as and working on her. And she's going for, yes, yep, yes. So she was a, a
0: certified cosmetologist. Right. Yep, so... So I'm not sure exactly if she was working at the time or just full-time student. Great. You know, while Terry was With a supportive and, partner. Yes, yep. And they were talking about getting married. I mean, things are going really, really well. Terry, is, I don't think I actually said this before, but Terry Seebeck was 32 years old. She's a mother of two. Uh, loved ones described her as a very hard worker. She had a warm smile Terry and Candace met in 2007. At the time, they were both single mothers and they had some reports said they had bonded over their sobriety. I I don't know necessarily that, but I do know that Candace was was working on her sobriety and was sober at the time that she met Terry and they helped, you know, she definitely helped her right. through that. So they had a lot of great things going for for um them. On the snapped uh, documentary, they had said that when she met Terry, remembering this, things changed for Candace. You know, her world just like snapped together like a puzzle piece, in other words. Um, Terry had lost her two children custody to her two children at the time that they met, and she was working hard to rectify that. I don't know what the circumstances were. Um, about that I don't sometimes when that happens guys it can simply be another partner an ex-partner getting a job outside of the state you sure. know and and then whatever it doesn't necessarily
1: mean there was neglect and abuse nope. this could have been mm-hmm. just a regular custody and, and he was awarded full mm-hmm. uh, custody for for whatever reason exactly. we see that
0: we do um, so Terry was actively working to reunify with her two children. Terry's a little bit older than Candace, as I said. And so um, they had actually met through mutual friends. So let me tell you a little bit about West Frankfurt, Illinois. It's a small, tight-knit community. They used to be a coal mining area. This is a community where everybody knows everybody else. It sounds just like our town. I'm there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And October 19th, 2009, so this is two years into their relationship, all right? Terry's 32, Candace is 28, and Terry's aunt spoke to her on the evening of the 18th, October 18th, and this would have been when they were at Donna's house. They spent that evening at Donna's house, okay? And so Terry's aunt had spoken with Terry for some reason, unbeknownst to me she was trying to get a hold of her the next day on the 19th I don't know if whatever they spoke about on the 18th they were planning on connecting the 19th but she Terry's aunt became very concerned when she could not get a hold of her she had expected to to speak to her um, for sure she also tried Candace as well and she discovered that Candace did not show up for her college classes which was not like her at all and so she's concerned because she can't get a hold of either one of them she called terry's employer and learned that terry did not show
1: up to work also and, unlike her because yep, she's super hardworking,
0: and she didn't call like she has not alerted anybody as to why she wouldn't show up to work so she's like okay this is completely out of the ordinary we hear this time and time again you know when you are a, a stable hard-working person when you show up no call no show that is a huge red flag exactly
1: for when acting out of the ordinary is something as simple as that.
0: Mm-hmm. So her aunt had an extra key to their house. So she grabs her extra key and she's like, you know what? I'm just going to go check on them. At this point in time, what my, what goes through my mind is I would do the same thing because I have an irrational fear of carbon
1: monoxide poisoning. Oh my God. That's not irrational. It's, it is, isn't it just
0: terrifying? It is. Ugh.
1: It is. The silent killer, right? I've, I've had nightmares about it. Yeah.
0: Yes. It is awful. That and fire freak me the fuck out.
1: It's one of those times I'm happy to be living in an older home, like an old renovated farmhouse, because you know there's enough cracks and crevices in right, there that right. oxygen gets in and you might not have a nice seal. Those new Amen. homes, people succumb to carbon For monoxide sure. poisoning because they're For sealed sure. so tight. Our front door. God bless my shitty insulation. Yes. <laughs>
0: Our front door has such a draft in it yes. and my first thought was I'm not sure I want to replace this. Do we want a seal? Want- I I don't <laughs> think I want a seal, people. So funny. No, I yes, I, ha- I have thought all those things. Although in my current job in order to open a daycare you license have to for have people, them. Yeah. we have to give we give them a terrifying training about um, fire. Yes. and a terrifying training about carbon monoxide cuz they have to have carbon monoxide detectors. So I'm it's it is reiterated
1: every single day for me. So I, that could You've
0: be feeding into your my fear. own
1: trauma yeah. and now you have PTSD yes. because of it. Yep, yep.
0: So when Terry's aunt arrives at the door, she goes to put the key in the door and she notices there is blood on the storm door and the
1: door knob. Oh, that's not how you want to go to a no. friend's or relative's home.
0: Nope. And this is where Terry's aunt does the absolute right thing. She does not enter that home, Megan. She calls nine one one. Good.
1: Yes, that's level headed thinking because I would even probably barrel in like a bull, right? Because For sure. I'd be worried. Your emotions take over. Yes, and I know then then you're I'm not tramping all to. over a crime, a crime scene. scene. I know, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. but you do. I mean, your loved one is in there. Yeah. Well, right? this is a good job. Aunt, what's it, what's the aunt's name again? Um, we don't know. Good job, I, Auntie. No, <laughs> when I wrote the notes, I hadn't saw the um documentary yet. She's actually on the on the documentary and I didn't make note of okay. her name, so I apologize for that. But Okay, so she calls nine one one. All right. The responding officers, um, she gives them the key. And it's like, I haven't even entered. She didn't even unlock the door. And when they went to push the door open. It wouldn't open. It wouldn't. And this is trigger alert to describing a crime. I don't scene. like this. Um When they were pushing it open, they notice they're, they're pushing it. There's resistance. Obviously, you know, they're wondering what this resistance is and they can start to see in their line of vision, bloody toes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. From under the door. So they're pushing more gently and the, there was a full body that's perpendicular to the front door. If you can picture that. I can. The scene was extremely bloody and gruesome. Um, both women had been shot at close range four to five times. They realize that there is another, they see the first victim, and then they realize there is another victim that is lying in the fetal position is the best way I can describe it, um, between the couch and the coffee table, who was also shot four to five times. Terry's aunt is, of course, devastated. The police are asking her, do you know anybody who would be willing to, or who, who would do this, right? Of course, their whole family, and they feel terrible about this, but knowing that Candace, at the very least, if not Terry, too, had had connections with drugs. Drug dealers. Yes. That is where everyone's first thought goes through, Sure, Is this was, did A they- A drug deal gone wrong. Yep. yep did, um, you know, did they slip? Did, did one of them, whatever, Candace slip on her sobriety and there was some bad people that showed up and, and did this? Absolutely. That makes sense. They feel bad about it in hindsight, but it's like, you know, you're just answering these questions as best you can. And you can't rule that out. Right. If, if someone that you're like, gosh, everybody loves them. Oh, wait, you know, there was that one fight that she got into with that friend five years ago whatever like everything's important you have to look at all of it i yeah.
1: mean god if we went with that concept that you know he's the nicest guy ever that lives next door we wouldn't have solved half of the serial killer murders Correct. in the united states yes. he yes. was the guy next door mm-hmm.
0: the what made the scene just so totally gruesome was that both women were shot multiple times in the head and the torso terry was shot directly through her left eye okay so the shell casings that were near was were from a 22 caliber semi-automatic pistol. There's no gun in the house. To you know the family's recollection, they never shot guns. They didn't own guns, right? So this is this is um, not a murder suicide. They wouldn't even know how to use a gun, according to the family, right? So they can they're trying to rule that out. There was blood on the front door that did have a strong indication that a struggle had happened as well. Well,
1: to me, it sounds like, and if she was in laying in front of the front door, obviously the killer didn't exit that way. It sounds like she was trying to leave, like she was yes. trying to run away. Yes, and we will get to that. Okay, Yep, we do
0: get answers on that. There's also signs of robbery. Um, <laughs> there's signs of robbery, and then there's signs of not robbery, because <gasps> there was big wad of cash in a bedroom, I believe, that was left. So, but... There were credit, their credit cards and their driver's licenses were missing and Terry's gold Chevy Impala was missing from the driveway. Okay. So they're like, okay, there's no sign of forced entry. So immediately they're like, wait a second. This was either somebody that they knew yeah. or yep. someone that they let in willingly and they- Or did
1: they have their doors locked or unlocked? I mean,
0: right. Very, yep. Very small town. Mm-hmm. Right. And then- But this robbery doesn't make sense. They took their credit cards. They took their ID, their vehicle, obviously, but left the cash.
1: Yeah, that's just, whoever that is, that's just dumb. You take the untraceable thing, right? right? Unless they had just recently left a bank and there's marked bills, take the cash. Right. It's less traceable. It's
0: like they didn't look through the house completely and even see the cash that the police were able to find,
1: you know? And that was in an upstairs bedroom? Was it there an upstairs? Was, this was,
0: in my understanding, this is not a multi-level home. It's a ranch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Ranch style home. Um, And so they immediately with the car missing, the police officers are like, gas stations, start pulling Beautiful. video. You do a BOL for that
1: car, which yes. is a pretty unique car. It is. It's gold. gold. A gold Impala. Yep.
0: Yep. They're like, let's pull. And that's going to take a, a, a hot second, you right. know, to pull all that. Um, video footage and just have people scan through and look for a gold impala. But meanwhile, they're processing the scene and they realize like the house isn't ransacked. So that seems confusing. There's that stack of cash left untouched, but there's also expensive jewelry that's left as well. So with the no signs of force entry,
1: they're like, what the hell happened here? You stole my identification and a credit card, which right. could be shut off immediately. And yes. And my gold impala. Mm-hmm.
0: That's completely traceable. Right. I mean, truly. So then they're thinking, especially with the way Terry is shot through the left eye and the close range of this, they're like, this is a deeply personal crime. This is somebody they're really banking on. This is someone who knew them. Um, There were even live rounds at the scene that indicated the gun had jammed and needed reloaded. So this person, they had obviously already been either deceased Or harmed enough to not be fighting back that whoever did this could reload, you know, unjam the gun.
1: Yeah, they emptied the clip Mm -hmm. and had time to put a new one in. Yes, exactly. And
0: then continue to shoot. So, yes, this is a deeply personal and gruesome
1: crime. I mean, it sounds like it. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: The injuries, you know, for this area, which I imagine if this happened in our town, Megan, our deputies would say the same thing, that this is the worst crime scene that they have had to process. It's the most gruesome because this is a small town. Shit like this just doesn't happen. But there's a whole nother caveat to this. There had been what was deemed the railroad killer on the loose at the, in the area Oh. In
1: 2009. So even though this is a safe, smaller little town, mm-hmm. the railroad, I mean, we've aware. had some railroad killers yep. before. They can yep. cover some area. Absolutely.
0: And and they had. And so they had been, you know, kind of on this track and they're like, this railroad person had been jumping railroads as we see, killing people.
1: Was it fitting the MO? Like, uh, were there were there these random robberies and stolen cars yeah. and point blank um, shots to the head and
0: yep to my understanding um yes and they're there were, this is what what gets even more strange, which because of this railroad killing, it does kind of derail the investigation for a hot minute, but not long. And I, But I can see why yeah, they had it takes to you follow this you trail. You follow
1: the lead. Yeah. You realize the lead is, not and then you have to go back. And of course it takes up some valuable time, but you still have to take the lead.
0: Yes. They interview Cindy Marlowe, which was Terry's mother. And she, of course, immediately told them the same thing of, you know what, this could be drug involvement. Oh. Okay.
1: Um, well, she's going off of history. Yes,
0: exactly. And Jesse Hurley, another friend, um, she actually was on the um, documentary as well. Agreed. And initially thought that it was drug drug related too. So, because they, they interview the family first, well, then they interview the neighbors. They do the neighborhood interviews, and they determined that there it did not sound like there was drug activity happening at that house at all. Vehicles are not coming in and out frequently. Now, how long would
1: it take to get a tox back too? like right yeah. let's get a talk screen on these vics yes and in for sure
0: honestly it takes longer than it does for them to actually solve this case no shit ta- yeah yeah we get this solved in 2 days okay they do a damn good job but um but they're so they're pretty immediately like okay i get it but it sounds like they've been sober for a long time so and the fact that the neighbors are like the only vehicles that are there really are the ones that belong to them um And, or, you know, people living in the house, whatever, like they're not seeing this drug activity connection based on what the neighbors and your neighbors are paying attention to the traffic on their street, certainly. So then one of the neighbors say that they saw a male in the morning of the 19th. So this is the morning of the murders on railroad tracks by their house. And because the fact that there was this, like, known railroad killer, you know, for creating gruesome murders like this, this, my understanding is that this railroad killer had been put to death three years earlier.
1: Oh, so, not him.
0: So they're, while well, they're thinking, is this a copycat? Doing the same exact thing, like, we have been here before in this town. In
1: the, in the uh, interest of sounding super crass, people have got to be more original. <laughs>
0: For sure, for sure. But they can't rule that out.
1: I understand.
0: And they did find the mail. They put a description on the scanner of the mail that was seen on the railroad tracks. And so, of course, the community is listening to the scanner. And they call the police and give them the suspect who matches the description on the other side of town. And and the police are dispatched and they interview him. And he's like, he's got no idea what has happened. The, the news of the murders has not hit, you know. And so he is like i was just taking a walk in the morning i i do that very frequently he really didn't have an alibi to be cooperated because he was by himself and he lived by himself so they bring this is him not in.
1: abnormal no but terrifying can you imagine yes. just what up. were you doing between these hours charnel and you're like well i was having coffee and i let my dogs out like i always do can anybody prove that No, No. because
0: my husband wasn't home and my kids were at school. And my neighbors
1: weren't out because it was cold and I was just chasing my dog around the yard. I mean, maybe there's a satellite image.
0: (laughs) Right, right, exactly. Nope, so he's confused. They bring, he cooperates, he goes in for questioning and they determine, okay. I think this dude really was just walking the railroads yeah. and is probably not a copycat killer. This is
1: when we fall on investigative skills and read interviewing techniques. Yes. And you know, yep. you just start getting the feeling that somebody is being truthful with yeah. you. Yeah. Like, okay. like this is a normal amount of nervous. They're not spewing hmm. information or trying it's to give you too much information. You're literally confused. sitting there going, I took a walk.
0: Yep, exactly. I like walking on <laughs> the railroads.
1: I do this every day. Mm-hmm. Nature and shit. Nature and (laughs) shit. I want a shirt.
0: (laughs) So, So they're back to square one. Yeah. Right. Second lead.
1: Done. Yes,
0: exactly. Friends start to come forward and said that Candace and Terry had another couple that they allowed to stay with them. Okay, so this is news to the police because this this couple, according to the family, had fallen on hard times. So the police are like, wait, we've processed the scene. There's no sign of another family living there. That's odd. And where are they? If they lived in this house, where the hell are they? We need to question Where's them. their stuff? Mm-hmm. And you said
1: it didn't look ransacked or nope. like anybody had left in a hurry?
0: No, no. So this couple was 19-year-old Afton Ferris and 29-year-old Michael Shallard. The police realize, hmm, okay, this, we... We think we may know who might be in this vehicle that's missing, right? All of this is kind of like, their stuff's not there. Did they suddenly pack up? What is going on? Another friend that's interviewed by police reveals that the reason that they found nothing in the home of Afton and Michaels is because Terry and Candace had asked them to move out on October 18th, the day before their murders. Because they suspected that the couple was stealing from them. Oh. Which I can tell you they were. So Except for now, they left the
1: cash.
0: Yeah, they're stealing everything but the jewelry and cash. Well, that's just obvious. So now the police put a be on the lookout for Afton Ferris and Michael Shallard, possibly driving this Chevy Golden Impala. And a man calls the police station to report another crime. This man does not know at all that murders have happened. They are keeping this close to the chest in in trying to get their leads first. It's still early on. Like I said, this
1: all happened in two days. They haven't needed to release to the public yet. Nope, nope. So they're still
0: investigating. So this man calls the police station to report a crime. He said that Michael and Afton had come to his house on October 18th. So this is the day before the murders. He was letting them crash there after being kicked out of Terry and Candace's house. He woke up on the 19th and his twenty-two caliber pistol was missing. Uh Uh-oh. He thinks he's just calling to report- A stolen gun. Exactly. That these two idiots that I let stay
1: here stole
0: my gun. And good
1: for you, sir, because you don't Mm want to let that shit go. If somebody steals your firearm, you report that right Right away. away. Mm
0: -hmm. And this is why. This is why. Because it could be used in a crime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So- at so far, time. we have some
1: really smart people. Yeah, Aunt who doesn't disturb a crime scene and calls. Mm-hmm. Yep. Friend who finds his firearm missing and calls right away. Yep. Yeah, I'm Police this, they're who together. are,
0: yes, police who are interviewing the neighborhood and as many family and friends as they can. Of the family and, and find out. Leads. Yep, and find out. Oh, there's a. Do you couple know how much I there? love
1: when you present me with yeah. just really good investigation? I like I, I have warm fuzzies in a bad case. Yeah, right
0: and I I had to give the people Thank this you. because we've had some bad ones lately. So of course detectives connect this crime being reported of that of of the murder of Candace and Terry because they already saw the shell casing casings of the 22 caliber. Um, and I'm sure that this man who had no idea the gravity of the situation of what he was reporting was probably devastated to find I out know. what they did with his gun. So they now need they now know the police that they need to pull all of their resources probably even out of their jurisdiction, right it's it's very unlikely that this couple is in their small town. yeah, they anymore. haven't stayed mm-hmm. and they're not brilliant criminals at all here, guys. And so in less than 24 hours into the homicide investigation, police now know, have the two names, the description of the people that they're looking into. 48 hours into the investigation, the Impala is found on a gas station footage near the fucking crime scene. Did they, they use her
1: credit card?
0: Yes. Of course. and To fill up before going to the highway turning right yep. you can see it all like okay so you can see michael shallard on the video and you can see a female passenger in the seat that matches the description of afton ferris it's a blonde chick that's in the, the 19 seat. year old yes yep she's 19 he's 29 so the surveillance footage shows that um they had gassed up paid with Candace's credit card, they not even trying to hide what they're doing. They can then see the car exit the gas station and head, head towards the highway out of the jurisdiction of the Frankfurt Police Department. So, of course, they're alerting other jurisdictions at this point. And they interview the gas station attendant and discover that although they used his um, Candace's credit card, this is going to get you, Michael Shallard signed his own name.
1: Well, Candace's credit card. Well, he didn't want to commit a forgery. <laughs> I mean, he's already in enough trouble. He's got, well, he's got morals, Charnel. <laughs> I couldn't possibly commit a forgery uh, along Listen, with along with the murdering and publishing yeah. theft.
0: I will murder two women and rob and steal, but I will not forge her name.
1: Well, that this guy's too much. He's brilliant. So yeah. we have his image, the stolen card, the stolen car. And he has literally signed his signed name to his it. Own name to cancel credit card was here.
0: Yep. Yes. Yes. Follow the trail. So they do subpoena the records for the credit card, um, all yes. of their credit card transactions so that they can literally follow them. Yep. Now they did not, you know, go to shut it off. They want to follow it. Afton and Michael were headed for were originally from Wyoming. That's where these two were birthed into the world. And that's where their licenses were issued from. So they believe that, you know, police are assuming you're going to go back to what you know, right? You're, you're heading f- west. Mm-hmm. You're fleeing to where, what's familiar. <laughs> so they contact Michael's family. Michael's family is like, oh, we've not heard from them. They ask him about his connection with Terry and Candace. And the family is like, oh, yeah, Michael has been really good friends with Terry for years. Not four as in the number four. But for a number four of years. For a number of years. Yes, yes. So his family had no belief whatsoever that Michael had anything to do with harming Terry because he absolutely loved her. Terry helped him several times get on his feet. And he is from a good and loving family.
1: And all of that is absolutely Does true. Does Terry have a habit of helping people with substance abuse issues? Yeah, Terry Terry likes to save people. She okay. was so
0: kind hearted. I mean, yes, we're and we're going to get to it. So Michael, he's from a good and loving family. He had a good childhood. He had a kind heart. He was described as the kind of person who would give his shirt, give the, the shirt. shirt off his back compassionate just a really good guy so when he, the police contact his family they are like no you have got the wrong guy terry is his best friend no this, this would never happen. happen yep
1: yes my neighbor is a great guy he would never kill 40 people yep. he's just super polite right. and would give you the he's shirt super off his back because
0: he makes me cookies and by- invites me over for a barbecue and we have weird meat <laughs> oh those burgers cases.
1: thanks charnel eh,
0: i'm just saying <laughs>
1: Luckily, I'm not a breakfast person. I haven't eaten.
0: <laughs> I'm in trouble because I love all the meats. People the could meats, feed me people. Right, and I, and I wouldn't, you wouldn't know. know. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that Michael's family said about him was, you know, his only flaw possibly is that he falls in love too fast at the drop of a hat. With the 19-year-olds. Yeah. Um, he had his first child at the age of 15, which changed the way his life was going. Okay. It, it put him... It set him on a course of financial struggle.
1: Well, he's got a 14-year-old at this point to support. He's 29, right? He is 29.
0: Mm -hmm. So over the years, he had wandered from state to state, searching for stability, searching for a stable job. Um, He could not hold down a job. He needed someone to emotionally care for him, is what it was uh, described in several articles. When he landed in in Frankfort, Illinois, he met Terry, and they became great friends. Terry gave him a place to live so that he could get on his feet, and he did really well there in Frankfort. He then decided to return home to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and he met a much younger Afton Ferris, and they fell in love in 2008 when she was 18. So he was uh, 28 at that point, yep. So Afton was described as a lost soul. She, this is going to pull at your heartstrings a little bit. We, we feel sorry for the child, not for the adult that makes uh, decisions, but she grew up in the foster care system. She was a frequent one runaway and she was considered a delinquent teenager and troubled and she comes from lots and lots of trauma. So this gives us a little bit of insight, right? But even with all that, she graduated valedictorian of her class. No shit. Now I don't know how big that class was. Judging by the decisions she
1: makes, it may have only been two people. I'm just saying. I don't know. It's not to say that she uh, she doesn't have a high IQ either. Well, yes. We know very, very smart people who do very, very dumb very or dangerous things. things. Yeah. After she graduated, uh, she
0: was not able to keep a steady job. Probably a lot of trauma going on there. Oh, yes. When she, um, when she met Michael, she was actually homeless, and she was bar hopping, you know, for a warm bed. Yeah. Each night basically. You hit up
1: the bars every night, somebody's going to take you home and give you a place to yep. sleep and we won't talk about what you have to do to pay.
0: Well, and I don't think that was the situation with Michael. Um Michael oh, good. likes to be Remember how his family was saying he would literally give you the shirt off his back, right? He didn't so, have bad intentions with her. No, he felt sorry for her. He offered to take her in, in and of course as a man and a woman do, love blossomed and <laughs> so um, beautiful. Yes, you? yes, reproductive organs meet.
1: <laughs> they and, do. Uh,
0: and now we're in love. So the two are in love. they're in a regular relationship. He Michael's family said that he fell really hard for her. Um, he literally would just do anything that she wanted, anything for her. He had actually asked a family member, his sister, Shauna Shallard, if he and Afton could live with her in Wyoming. She said no, because she did not know Afton and she had an infant son and she didn't want strangers around her infant son. That is appropriate. That's a good super, choice. Super, super appropriate. So this is where the couple decides, okay, Michael and Michael's brain, where was the last place I was staple? And I have Terry. Yep, Frankfort, Illinois is, is, Illinois is the last place that I was stable. Let's go there and ask Terry if we can live with her and her uh, partner, Candace. Of course, Terry welcomes them into their home. She thinks them. she's just
1: getting somebody on their feet, right? She's already had They're Michael live here. with her. Yep,
0: And it went well. And he just couldn't keep the jobs. I mean, he did for a while, but then he moved back home. So... She's thinking she has no reason to think that this isn't going to go well. You know, I'll let them get on their feet. They'll get stable jobs. They'll move out of the house into their own home. It'll be fine. Well, things didn't go well about a month after they moved in, and Terry was venting to other friends about money and jewelry that was coming up missing, and they know that no one else had been in the house, so they put two and two together. Weird that as soon as you guys move in, now all of a sudden our shit's missing?
1: Not only that, but since Michael never stole from her before, uh-huh. and he now has this traumatized pre-delinquent or prior delinquent, I mean, obviously we have this girl in the mix, and yep. I'm assuming that there was tension yep. there.
0: yes. So Candace and Terry actually packed the couple's items for them and put them on the front porch and asked them to come get them. So that is why the police saw no sign no. of another couple living there because they made sure they had all their items Okay, and gave them back. And here you go. Sorry, you're going to have to find someplace else to live. Now, Candace was described as being hot-headed. She would give people one chance to screw up, and then once they did, she's done with them, and that's that's it. I okay? hear you, girl. Yep, right. So on October 21st, in Laramar County, Colorado, a credit card transaction happened and then stopped. It, it There wasn't any more transactions after that. So they asked the family, is there anyone in... Larimer County Colorado that would know Michael and they learned that yes Michael has a friend in Fort Collins a guy who lives in a trailer park and so the Larimer the Larimer Larimer why am I wasn't I saying it fine a minute ago Larimer County am I having Larimer a stroke? no you're Jesus. not stick your
1: tongue out let me see Okay, everything looks good. Good.
0: Let me take a sip of coffee.
1: We just did a quick stroke check, everybody. If you don't we know did. the signs and symptoms, you should look this up.
0: You should. And I appreciate you assessing me in this You're moment. are welcome. Because
1: damn. I'm here to help.
0: So they go ahead. That county, Sheriff's Department. In go. Colorado. In Colorado. Put surveillance on the trailer. And
1: guess what they see? They see him. They, they see, see the Michael.
0: They see a gold Chevy Impala there. Ooh! So they sit and they're going to watch. Now, here's what the problem is, though. We're trying to be discreet in a trailer park. And I don't know if you've ever been in a trailer Everybody park. Everybody knows but everything. shit's sake, it's hard to be discreet. It is hard to be discreet. And put into. a place on surveillance. Yes. But it does not take them long. They've got eyes on Michael and Afton. Two days after the bodies of Candace and Terry are discovered, they see Afton putting items from the Impala in a garbage bag. She hands the garbage bag to Michael, and he puts it in the garbage can at the end of the drive. I love when they
1: dispose of things because they just became public domain. Sure
0: did. And it was this moment where the surveillance team goes ahead and moves in because they want to know yeah what's in that We're going to do some We've dumpster diving right now. They did have to use a stun grenade to temporarily immobilize Afton and Michael to place them under arrest, so they wouldn't run. Oh, they were shifty-eyed. Like a stun grenade, yeah. With like a flashbang. Uh huh. Yes. My understanding.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yes. Do you love? We don't need a taser. Just a flashbang. Yep. Do you love the cooperation between jurisdictions? By the way
1: absolutely that doesn't happen all the time either. doesn't
0: and this is amazing and within 48 hours they're apprehended so what was in that trash bag you asked i do
1: ask Mm. i want to know
0: well it was none other than the bloody clothing worn by afton ferris in the car they find the rest of the stolen credit cards both terry and candace's ids and in the trailer they found afton's purse with the 22 ruger semi-automatic pistol the same weapon exactly that was reported stolen They found a hand, this part was just like, fuck, really? They found a handwritten poem that was written by Afton Ferris outlining their
1: life of crime. It was titled Bullets and Weed. For fuck's sake. (laughs) She fancied herself a modern day Bonnie and Clyde? She
0: did, and I'm not even going to get into, you can see on the internet snippets of like what it said in her shitty handwriting. It was so dumb and made zero sense that I like, Really, girl? Really?
1: She was a valedictorian, but she didn't major in any type of literature. No poetry.
0: I'm sorry. It was a class of two. She may have been the only one graduating that year. (laughs) I'm not sure, Megan. But yep, bullets. She's a poet. Bullets and weed. There were also two more handwritten letters from Afton that were suicide notes. Um, Police decided to confront Afton first. They introduce themselves, and she literally states right off the bat, I will tell you everything, but can you guys at least tell me how you guys found us so fast? Shit. (laughs) Girl, honey, baby doll, you can't figure that out. You literally weren't trying to hide anything. Oh, to be 19
1: again, and clueless as to how the world works. I actually wrote in my
0: notes, it was a small class that she was valedictorian of, <laughs> I'm assuming. Good Lord. So Afton confesses. She says that Terry and Candace accused them of stealing things. She had nowhere to go because she has no family because she grew up in the foster care system. This is These are her words that yes. she said. She went to a friend's house um, on the 18th after being kicked out. She had some drinks, there was some possible drug activity, and they played cards. They knew that this man, whose house they were at, that they were going to crash at for the night, had a gun. So they stole the gun, walked back to Terry and Candace's house with plans to rob the place. They gained entry to the home by knocking on the door and telling Terry and Candace that they wanted the opportunity to apologize to them. So, So they did let them in. Yep, so Terry let them in as the police suspected. Afton said there was just the four of them in the house. She was sitting next to Terry on the couch and Candace was on an opposite couch and then uh, Michael was on a different chair. Candace and Terry told them that they knew they stole because after their items were missing, they went through their bedroom, uh, the bedroom of Afton and, and Michael, and they literally found the stuff that in was their missing. belongings that was missing. Yep. So Michael, who was sitting on a chair in the living room, got up and said that he wanted to go back into the bedroom and check to make sure that there wasn't anything left. When he came back to the room, Candace was, quote, bitching at them, and Michael pulled out the stolen twenty-two pistol that he had hidden in the back of his pants prior to entry into the home and said, quote, you know what, motherfuckers, end quote, and shot Candace from across the room. She fell backwards, and then she turned the gun on Terry.
1: He, she, he, he turned the gun sorry, on Sorry, did I say she? Yeah, it's okay. She fell backwards and, and then he, he
0: turned the gun on Terry. And Terry fell on the coffee table. She's the one that was found between the coffee table and the couch. So next, Afton realizes that Candace was at the front door and she was trying to use her cell phone to call 911. So she grabbed Candace and drug her back into the residence where Michael shot her again. Afton then takes the gun because, trigger alert, this is sad, Afton takes the gun because Terry was groaning and moaning, and that's when she shoots her through the left eye. So they take their ID, credit cards, a small amount of cash that they did find, cigarettes, a, quote, weed box,
1: and the car. But
0: they left the other big wad of cash there.
1: They were in a hurry at that point to leave.
0: Yep. Right. Well, and in, in, uh, Afton said that Michael was a really big emotional mess after the murders, so they you were- just shot,
1: You just shot your friend, man. You
0: did. And remember what family and friends said, like this wasn't him. And and we're going to get into that where I do believe the family when they say that, when we get into things like the trial and th- confessions and things like that. So he's an emotional mess. Afton's keeping her shit together and they decide that you know what, they should probably, they want to be together, so they're going to probably commit suicide so that they can be together in the afterlife because they've just fucked up the this life, this reality. So now they have a suicide pact. Yep. Um, and Afton said, quote, I did this because my life has been fucked up and I have nothing to live for. There is only Michael, end quote. So police said during her interview she was cold. She was not remorseful at all. She never takes accountability for what she did or her part in it all. She just blames how fucked up her life had been and how she doesn't give a shit.
1: I wish I could say that I was super surprised with that reaction, but I'm not at all. Nope. So once they
0: have her confession, they question Michael
1: for the first time. He is the weak link.
0: His demeanor is totally different. He's bawling. He is crying. Yes. He says, I am not the type of person to do anything like this. We had nowhere to go. We walked in. Candace, Candace started to blame Afton for stealing CDs and me for stealing a tank top. I just couldn't take it anymore. I had that gun, so I just pulled the trigger. And he said, I don't even know how many times. It got jammed, and Afton told me to reload it, and then she shot them a couple of times. We, he said, we needed the money so that we could be together. We had no other choice to do what we did. No, you absolutely had other choices, sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. And I use sweetheart as like a condescending
1: tone. Of course you do.
0: We didn't. He said. He knew
1: that when he said it. Mm -hmm. He knew he had another choice when he said it. Yes.
0: He said, quote, we didn't want to lose each other. So we just did whatever it took. No, whatever Afton wanted you to do. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. But I mean, if you guys had, if they
1: had nothing left to live for, then why take out two innocent people Mm -hmm. in, in, in their plan? Right. Or did they formulate this plan after? Well, they decided that they were suicidal after they committed two murders.
0: Well, Afton told, according to Michael, Afton told him their only option was to kill them, rob them, flee with the car. And he says, literally, "quote That was the only option we had." Well, that's the only option she presented you with, and you went with it, buddy.
1: There were definitely other options. Well, she's cool, calm, and collected, and he's in panic and mode after he killed his at all. No,
0: no, he he is. She is totally fine with how this all went
1: down. He's the wreck. So the they, things that trauma does to people's brains uh-huh. to close them off from having human feelings—it's terrifying. It, it is. is truly
0: terrifying. So he was charged with two counts of first-degree murder. They both were. Good. Sorry, I didn't mean to say just him. Family and friends of Michael are stunned. There is no reason for this. It was completely senseless, as I said. I mean, think about I mean, it was. like are, You didn't even get, you got some credit cards that were eventually going to get shut off and a car and some weed and a little bit of cash. Like this, nothing. There's no reason
1: for this. They either planned on getting caught or planned on Ending the chase before the catch.
0: Yes. Yes, exactly. So they both plead not guilty, hoping that the trial would save them from the death penalty, which Illinois actually had at the time. Yeah. But in 2000. Like we've said
1: before, not guilty pleas are normal at that mm-hmm. stage. It doesn't matter if you have a full confession or not. Mm-hmm. This is nothing for anybody to get upset about. This no. Is this is how the normal. adversarial justice system works in the United States. Yep.
0: In 2011, just before the, the trials, the state of Illinois governor, uh, Pat Quinn, actually at the time, eliminated the death penalty for the state of Illinois. So it's no longer an option. So after that, in July 2011, Afton went to trial. Um, the prosecution said she's a cold-hearted killer, of course. The defense said that she was actually a victim of Michael. Michael. Which is way different than how she described the situation in her confession. She never mentions lying for Michael uh, to protect him. That he was abusive in any way. So they're trying to say like she was fearful, so she just went uh, went along with it. And then in her initial confession, she was lying to protect the man that she loved. She said she used hard drugs the night be- that night, so she doesn't remember one. Want- excuse me, doesn't remember much. Totally changed her tune from the reality of the situation. Um, The problem is, is that she had in court no emotion at all. Her face, she was stone cold and the jury could see that. She was super fake when she tried to show emotion, which the jury also picked up on. So after a span of a two-day trial and six and a half hours of deliberation, Afton was found guilty of two counts of first-degree murder and additional counts that included armed robbery and home invasion. So for the murders, she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And for the three other counts, she received 50 additional years to be served
1: consecutively. Oh, consecutive, Uh not concurrent. Nope, consecutively. The judge brought some attention to her. That means after she serves her life sentence, she has another 50 years to serve.
0: Mm-hmm. And in the afterlife, wouldn't that just be a peach if you get there? We don't know what like, happens. We don't.
1: We don't know if those sentences work afterward. Either. I always
0: joke that the IRS is still there waiting right? to collect their taxes. <laughs> you're, so sitting, like,
1: you're, sitting at, you're standing at the pearly gates waiting to come in and St. Peter comes out with like a, a notebook and says, so according to the um, IRS, you still owe $50,000 exactly. in back taxes. You're
0: going to be going <laughs> to this area to work that off right. and then you're purgatory. welcome to join us.
1: Yes. Oh my God. And when you get to purgatory, there is a sign outside that says IRS. Yes. Like.
0: <laughs> I think so. I think so. That's just what's a fear of mine. So I stay square with the I IRS because yeah, you know, I don't want that to happen <laughs> on the other side. So what if on the other side, after she dies in prison, you know, the exactly. other side's like 50 more years, honey. You got <laughs> it.
1: Did they, tr- they tried her first or did they try they them did. at the same time?
0: They did try her first because We're getting to that. Yes. Uh, I did want to just throw in, I like to throw in some of the stuff for you of what the judge said. Yes. The judge brought some attention to her difficult younger life, but thought that it didn't excuse her behavior as it does not. He said, quote, I'm sorry for the life that you've lived, Miss Ferris. The things that happened to you as a child, but they don't give you a license to kill or commit crimes. They do not offer excuses or mitigate what you did. End quote. So as per prison records, she remains incarcerated at the Logan Correctional Center in in Lincoln, Illinois. In August 2011, once that legislation changed and the death penalty is no longer an option, Michael pled guilty. Oh, there yep. was no trial. Nope. He he pled guilty to two counts of first-degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. As part of his agreement, the charges of of theft of a firearm, burglary, and home invasion were dismissed. So when once he dies in prison, um he doesn't have 50 additional years on the other side.
1: Oh, they won't be waiting for him in purgatory then. Yeah. No.
0: No, but I have a feeling that there will be things waiting for him.
1: Right. Just depends on what y'all believe.
0: Mm -hmm. Family said that he uh, did this to prevent. So this is, uh, sorry, I started that sentence off really stupid. (laughs) So his family, Michael's family said, you know, part of the reason why he did this, pled guilty, was to prevent the families from having to go through another trial because they had to sit through Afton's trial. But you and I both know he did this because the death penalty is lifted. And so he knows the evidence against him and- he was able to get those burglary charges. I mean, he made a deal. Yeah. It, it was legally a good deal I think we all would have taken, really.
1: Being in that situation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. And maybe he did want to spare them from testifying, but he right. wasn't willing well, to put his life on the line for it at the time. So as soon as they took the death penalty off the table, he was like, okay, okay. well, uh, I can be accountable. And now.
0: everybody said throughout this, he was the only one who showed remorse. He is the only one bothered by what, what happened. Yes, exactly. Michael actually made a statement to the victim's families. I'm and not said, surprised. Yep. Quote, nothing I can say can bring Candace and Terry back. I completely deserve the punishment I received. And I hope this puts your mind at ease a little bit. End quote. So he's serving out his sentence at the Menard Correctional Center in Randolph County, Illinois. And that is the story of the beautiful Terry and Candace. And uh, may they both rest in peace. It was so senseless. And, and our listener, they,
1: so they had been to her home for had, dinner the night before. The night before they had been at her home. She saw Did the police them. end up talking to her in this case? Did I they reach out to so. her? Of so. Of course they would have, right? Because you trace back where yep. have people been.
0: And she, um, just one thing that Donna reiterated so much in her email is how heartbroken she was that they were doing so good. They had their lives together. They were in love. Like everyone was so shocked that now something happens to them. You know, I mean, after they have, they're no longer in a risky situation, risky lifestyle. Now that just simply letting being kind hearted and letting people that fell on hard times live with you. Yeah. It's horrible because it makes all of us think that we shouldn't
1: do good things like that. Like I it's was scary. Just, see, I, I'm glad you touched on that because especially this time of year, as we're entering, you know, the Christmas season and everybody is opening their hearts up, right? Yes. We're all donating things. It was just giving a week last week for most of the United States. I think a lot yep. of states do this. And a lot, you, you take in people at times. You have a family member or somebody you love who falls on hard times. And you might believe, or at least it's in your character, to help. And then you get jaded knowing yes. things like this. I bet everybody listening to True Crime Podcast thinks to themselves, nope. Nope.
0: Sorry, sorry, Mm -hmm. not letting you in. No, but I'll reach out to resources in my community that can
1: maybe help. And let me just tell you that that's okay.
0: Yes, exactly. There, if you have a community action agency in your community, they do help with housing placements. They Um, do. Every community has resources like that, and there are often
1: you can help people. Yeah, so there's also often um, whether you're uh, religious or not, there are often churches or organizations that, like all the churches, belong to where they have emergency funds or money to like Mm -hmm. put people up in hotels and those type of things. So, as you're being kind and generous and giving this Christmas season, don't put yourself at risk. Right. Either physically or financially. People are looking for money and donations right now. Or even emotionally. Well, there's a whole different podcast. (laughs) We're going to send you all to a therapeutic podcast (laughs) for that.
0: Right. Exactly. Setting appropriate boundaries at Christmas time with your family. (laughs) Yeah. Donna. Thank you yes, for thank sending you, Donna. this. I so appreciated that she's you, much your moving or
1: she's moving up to the top of our CCI list. We have some uh, oh, people who send us great stuff. We
0: do, we do. And so I'm going to round us out with. You're gonna bathe just, me. I'm gonna bathe you. Okay, We're okay. gonna have a
1: nice. I carry all my tension right here, mm-hmm. and I can feel is the vein sticking out in little my bit, neck yet? Okay, a little bit. Let me just
0: rub that it. while I read you this article. <laughs> okay. okay, it is it is a Florida man
1: article. You, they are my favorite.
0: There's no reason to not use them. It just lightens all of our day. And this one I think will too. Thank you. But I'm going to preface it with, this is not written by me. We are not body shaming. Humans come in all shapes and sizes and we love it. Okay. All right.
1: You won't make me feel bad about myself. Thanks, Charno. No, I
0: would never, ever do that. I... It's just, that's a pet peeve of mine sometimes when people talk about other people's weight and whatnot. We are all built differently and everybody carries it differently and it's fine. But here's the title. Okay. 380 pound Florida man hides meth in belly button. That's
1: brilliant. It is. No one who looks in the belly button. I am thinking of all of the times that police officers do pat downs Mm -hmm. or when you get to jail and they do the body searches that is a I don't know we that I think of I don't know that I do they put a glove on a fingered a glove finger and like poke it like the Y'all Pillsbury Doughboy tell us
0: Ooh. if you are I know we have investigators and police officers listening to this podcast do you tell poke me, at the button have you searched the a crevice of a belly button I, I bet
1: know. when you have people who are larger like that and if you've ever seen anybody who's lost a lot of weight too mm-hmm. they have that little or big apron that yeah. forms I bet they make them lift it up Sure, sure. I would, yeah, I would. Okay, you got to read that. Tell me more now. I'm just speculating too much. In St.
0: Petersburg, which I just, of course it did. (laughs) A Florida man uses his excess bulk to stow away a bag of meth, according to police. 41 year old Martin Skelly of St. Pete was arrested after showing up to a Clearwater McDonald's with a drug filled needle. After being arrested on charges of possession of methamphetamine, he was searched and booked in the county jail authorities asked the Florida man if he had any additional contraband on him, to which he replied, no, according to the affidavit. When he was processed into the jail, a small bag of meth was found wedged deep within the belly button cavity. <sighs> I was just being dumb and not thinking, Florida man said. When the drugs were discovered, the belly button meth stash resulted in two additional felony charges. Yes.
1: so Including that- bringing contraband into a, a jail.
0: Yes. Which, which... Okay, obviously they searched his belly button, right? But think about all the drugs that get into the prisons. Could it be because we are forgetting to actively clean out the belly button. If lint you and cavity.
1: are a person who has an Audi, you might forget that there are people with innies.
0: You know what I learned? What? An Audi belly button is actually a, a hernia. hernia. Yeah, I had it's to an, have
1: it fixed. It's an umbilical hernia. It is. it is.
0: And one day I was at the doctor, the lady doctor's office and he was like, oh, well you have an umbilical hernia. And yeah. I was like, Oh, you mean my Audi belly button? He's like, yeah, that's not a thing. It's actually not real. Those are your intestines popping out your belly button. I was and was like, it's a small hole. and We can fix oh, it. Oh shit! Okay. And, he, and I was like, well, that might be why it hurts sometimes. Yeah. Like, oh, causing pain. Off to the surgeon you go. Correct. I've actually now had three um, hernia, hernia sergias, surgeries. I've had yeah, surgeries. I've had one,
1: but it, not there.
0: It's from all this all the belly, all the babies, that all I had. the babies. But and I was actually the, yeah. The
1: first one I was born with.
0: like that way i don't
1: i i have i haven't any so no umbilical hernia for me
0: yep so i fun fact we're learning stuff too on crime curious that's not all gruesome love to
1: teach you the things
0: i just never ever considered someone stashing stuff in their belly button i personally couldn't do it but i'm a little jealous of the people that can The shit you could get away with. I'm always looking for places to like stash dollar, you know, when I don't want to carry my purse.
1: I don't think I could fit a whole dollar in my belly button, Charnel. And I did indicate I haven't any, but I don't think, I don't think it's that. No. And far. my husband's
0: not a big man at all, but he does have a really deep belly button, which is weird to me. Yeah. And now I'm curious and I'm going to try it and
1: just gonna see what You're going to wait till he he he's sleeping of and course. shove a quarter in his belly button? <laughs> I do all kinds of fucking weird Have you ever shit, seen though. those and that's how the fight started? Like that's <laughs> right. what the title of it is? Yes. Yours is going to follow with, it well, this sure one is- time I stuck a quarter in Matt's belly button. I just wanted to see. <laughs> I, I had to When know. you put quarters in some of those hotel room beds, they vibrate. Maybe he'll shake. <laughs> yes. Oh. <gasps> Ooh, Ooh, maybe.
0: This, right? could be,
1: this could lead to a good time. <laughs> Shit. Or like I said, the largest Christmas argument that's ever been started. <laughs> right, right.
0: I'm still <laughs> Taking waiting. Taking your presents back, Charnel. I'm still waiting for the moment when he mumbles, because you know how I hate when he mumbles, because yes. he, doesn't, he doesn't think he mumbles. And for me to come back and say, I'm sorry, did you say Gumbo Yaya? gumbo yaya yeah, yeah. have say you used it. it yet not yet because it, ha- it hasn't happened yet a listener actually wrote me and said well has gumbo yaya ya come up yet nope not yet but when it do- here's the thing it's going to take months for him to catch on that every time I think he mumbles I say gumbo yaya ya. and he's eventually going to be like what does that even mean why I, do you
1: keep saying I'm going to figure out a way to use it as well and we'll report back
0: alright I gotta I gotta All see right. <laughs> and then I'm going to be like
1: guess you should listen to my podcast bro exactly mine <laughs> doesn't either <laughs>
0: All right. Well, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thanks again to Donna for this. And I'm so sorry for the loss of your two beautiful friends. And uh, we hope that you guys keep it curious. Follow us on social media. If you want hundreds of episodes to binge of exclusive content for us, go to patreon.com forward slash crime curious podcast and you could sign up there and support the show. Keep us on air. And in return, we give you a shit ton of extra
1: content. So that's right.
0: It's there, guys. There's also a link in the show notes for that as well. So
1: if you just need to reach out to human beings too, don't yeah. forget that you can comment. If you're a Patreons on our Patreon page, Crime Curious on our Facebook page, and we will talk to you. We do. We will answer you back. Sure
0: do. That's true. So, all right. Keep it curious, everybody, and stay safe until next time.
1: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.